changed everything on your behalf. Don't you love him this morning? Oh, don't you love him this morning? Amen, amen. Oh, Lord Jesus, we come before your throne today. Oh, Lord, our hearts are crying out in adoration and worship to you, our God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, in all that we've searched through and all the time wasted and so many useless things, we found none like you. We've not found a treasure as wonderful and as priceless as you are, Lord God. Oh, Lord, we pray you have your way in this service this morning, Lord. Move up and down each aisle, Lord. Move from heart to heart, Lord. Each person, touch their lives this morning. Change each one of us today, Lord God. Oh, we come, Lord, seeking a closer walk to be made more like you, Lord, to be changed from what we used to be, Lord, into what you want us to be. Oh, have your way here today, oh God. We love you, we love you, we love you, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord God, as we look to your word. I pray you would step forward, Lord, the same one that took the seals off the book. Step forward and minister to your people today, Lord. Quicken, quicken that seed that's in our heart today, Lord, and make us even more alive to be even more in a heavenly place with you this morning, Lord. Oh, we give you glory, Lord. And dear Lord Jesus, at the close of this service, we'll be sure, Lord, to give you all the praise and honor and glory for what you're about to do, Lord. We adore you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Focus us right now. Focus us, Lord, to your word and your holy and mighty name. Amen. 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 God bless you this morning. While you're standing, if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Do you love him this morning? Amen. Chapter 2, verse 4, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. I'm sorry, this must not be on this morning. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Very real, present help in every time of trouble. None like Him. None like Him. He is our priority. He is our treasure. He is our very breath. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, and hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, that in this age, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You may be seated this morning. 
I thank each one of you for being here today. I don't think we recognize with Andrew and Sister Christine and Josiah and Seth, but we're very glad to have them here with us. We love to, is, is stepping in and helping out with the drums. I pray that God blesses them richly. I'm glad to see each one of you in the house of the Lord this morning. I, I pray that you've come expecting, not for anything from me, but from the Lord Jesus that you serve, the one that meets your needs, that promised that he would supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You know, it's been said many times that he would bankrupt heaven to meet your need. I hope you know him that way this morning, that you know a God that would bankrupt heaven to meet your need. I was reading in the COD book this morning and, and, and the questions and answers part of that. Brother Brown was telling about a Dr. Reedhead, a man that was the head of the Sudan mission for the Southern Baptist Coalition or whatever it was. as for missionaries there in Africa. And he said that, that he was talking to me about the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, and what it does to a person. How that Ephesians 2, 1, it says he quickens you. He quickens that seed. He makes you alive through that new birth, through that quickening of the Holy Ghost. And he said that I, I need to know what this is about. We as a Baptist, we don't understand any of this. And he said we heard that you were a Baptist. He said I was. I, I come to the Lord as a Baptist. He said but I had to come out of it so I could be free. Amen. He said I had to come out of it so I could be free. Now, I'm not trying to pick on Baptists, Pentecostals, any of those. You have to come out of that organizational chain to be free in the Lord Jesus. Now, he said that we didn't understand. He said, I had a, he said I've got more degrees. You've all heard this story. I've got more degrees than probably anyone else. I've got every DD, every PhD, every LLD, every doctorate of theology that can be had. He had to be in that organization. He said, I had a Mohammedan come to me here a while back. He said, and this Mohammedan was talking to me. He was being schooled in America. And he said, he said that, <clears throat> he told him, he said, why don't you come away from that Muslim, that Mohammedan religion, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, why? He said, what do you got that we ain't got? He said, what do you got? He said, both of your God and my God, we both offer life after death. He said, well, we've got joy. And the Mohammedan said, we got joy too. We can produce every bit as much of psychology as you can too. You heard me, psychology. You get in that emotional realm. You get in that psychology, that mind realm. And the devil can trick you one way or the other to make you think you're okay. I must have experienced God. But then you get right back into into a trial and down. And you forget that the joy of the Lord is your strength. You forget that he's still a lifter of your head. You forget that he's still a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Because that revelation has to get here and not here. When it comes to here, ain't no trial. Ain't no fiery furnace can take it away. You can be on fire literally flames around you and you can say the joy of the Lord is my strength he said I don't understand he said this man said I can produce every bit of psychology you can produce but the Mohammedan told this Baptist man he said we've got something and they shall recover. Our, our prophet doesn't tell us to do this. He said, you can do that. He said, you're telling that your God is alive, that he died and rose from the grave. He said, you've had 2,000 years as Christians and not even a third of this planet has heard about your Lord Jesus. Not even a third. He said, if Muhammad raises from the dead in two days, in two days this planet will know it. Two days. Two days. 2,000 years, not even a third of the planet have heard of the Lord Jesus Christ after 2,000 years. He said, you say your God's alive. He said, prove it. Prove it. 
you prove your God's alive. You prove he's alive. Our prophet told us that you're the only ones who can prove that he's alive. You are the only ones that can prove that he's alive. Does your heart, does your walk, does your experience, does the fruit that you're producing prove that he's alive? Or does it prove that you're just a church member? So you can be a church member sitting in a message church 70 years, 60 years, and still not know him. You're, something in your heart says, I can see there's truth there. I can see that God vindicated that. So many men walked with Brother Branham, and they saw what God did night after night after night after night. You, I'm going to wear you out now. Night after night, over and over and over, to where those men who did not have a revelation would step back and say, that ain't nothing but God who did not have a revelation, can look with her eyes. That man was dead and he's now walking around. That man was crippled and he's now walking around. That person was blind, they can now see. That person couldn't speak, couldn't talk, hear. But now they're alive. They can see with their eyes, but they had no revelation of what God was doing in that man. You can be a person sitting in the message church today. Again, in many years you want. The devil will tell you, you've been a believer since the 70s, since the 60s. No, you're okay. No, you're not if you're not on fire for God. Revelation says, if you're lukewarm, he'll spit you out. He said, I'll spit you out. No, you're okay. You believe the message. You're just as good as you've always been. See, that ain't the kind of God you serve. You're not just as good as you've always been. He gets better, and he gets better, and he gets better. The Psalms would tell you, Proverbs would tell you, taste and see. Taste, taste him and see. Oh, my goodness. And in our day, what God has done through the revealed word of the hour, through the prophet God has sent, he has opened this book in a fullness that's never, 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 never been seen before. Never been seen before. And so many of us sit here. Where's your heart at? Where's your treasure at? What are you in love with? What are you in love with? You in love with the world? You in love with the word? Each one of us have to walk this path. Each one of us have to come to this same thing. Am I in love with the word or am I in love with the world? Will I worship an idol or will I worship him? Not one of us in this room is exempt from that. Worship him. Is it me? Is it my cord? It's Satan. Satan, you're defeated. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan, you're defeated. He told him, he said, he said, you proved to me that he's alive. Your Bible says that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's what Mark 16 says. And Dr. Reed had told Brother Branham, he said, I looked at the ground. He just kind of took my foot. And change the subject. He said, because I can't prove that he's alive. Can you? Can you this morning prove that he's alive? Just in the basics. Just in the basics of being a fundamental Christian. The basics. I'm not using that word to go toward any slant, toward any denomination or any kind of idea or things like that. Because they twist everything. Perversion twists everything. You understand Satan's the the king of perversion. He can't create anything. He's just the king of perversion. You know what cussing is? Do you know what cussing is? Cussing. And I'm not going to say any of these words, but you know what cussing is? It's the blessings of God perverted. It's the blessings of God perverted. Satan loves perversion. Satan loves deformation. 
He loves malignancy. He loves cancer. He loves all those things that steal your joy, that steal your victory, that steal your love. Satan's defeated, though. You're not. Our title today is Possessing Your Enemy's Gates, Part 2. I'm not talking about the enemy. I'm talking about your enemy. See, the prophet would tell you, the worst enemy I got on this planet lives right between these two elbows. Yes, you've got, a, you've got an adversary out there that goes around like a lion, like a lion, seeking whom to devour, but he can't touch you. You have to walk out there and literally put your head in his mouth. Anything you got going wrong in your life is something you did. Anything you got going, something you did. Not one of us are perfect. Each one of us have mistakes. It is a fact that, that you sow, you will reap. You will reap. I don't care if it's been 50 years. You sowed it, you'll reap it. God is not mocked. The Bible says God is not mocked. But I just read to you the God who is rich in mercy. You know the things you, that you deserve. You run to him. I, I love that illustration given. I heard it all my life. When, when you've got a parent that's, that's going to spank their child, if that child is running away from them, they can wear him out. They, it's got no room. But when you run up and you wrap your arms around your daddy or your mama's legs and you squeeze tight, they cannot hit you as hard. You see it? Repent. Come back to him. Make it right. Repent. Make it right. He's faithful to forgive. You have to reap it, but God is faithful. He'll stand right there beside you. And the benefit to all these things is for your good. It's all for your sake. Paul says it's for your sake. We, not, I, ain't gotta, I heard a brother tell me just, just recently that, that, that his pastors had to get in their face, put his finger in the face and say, you're worthless. And he said, we step back and we get mad at the pastor. And he said, and then you get in the service and the Lord is moving in the room. And, and that, 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 that conviction of the Holy Ghost comes on your life. And you know you're worthless. You know what you deserve. You know how you've been acting. You know how you've been thinking. And yet you get mad at someone for telling you it. That's human nature. You get mad at someone pointing it out. Wow, you're wearing a green sweater today. How dare you say I'm wearing a green sweater? That's not a yellow shirt. What do you think you're doing? We're all humans. For the love of God will convict you. The love of God will make it right. See, we're each one here. It is our goal. It is the mark that we're pressing toward. We're pushing for a rapture. Come on now. This better get loud in this room. We're pressing for a rapture. Pressing for a rapture. That's our goal. That's what we're after. That's why we strive for. That's why we get up each morning. It's not to go to work. It's not to eat a meal. It's to get up, Lord. What can I do? How much can I surrender? Who else can I take with me? Who else can I take with me? If you've got a selfish spirit on this morning, cast it down. If you've got a selfish spirit, cast it down. Because you've been called to be a redeemer. You've been called to be a deliverer. You are wearing a helmet of salvation for a reason. The prophet in our day told us something no one else knew. Come on. The prophet in our day showed us and told us something no one else knew about the power of the token. Those of you that have experienced it, that have had a revelation of that power of that token, you realize how powerful it is. Satan will tell you, well, that person that you're holding that token over ain't worth it. I wasn't either. 
Oh, it ain't worth it. They're useless. Look what they're doing. Look at all the sin they're piling up. Look at all that shame. Look at all that that's going toward their negative balance. The prophet would tell you, look back to the age of Moses. That those men took that blood. Somebody, listen to me now. Somebody took that blood and smeared it over Korah, Dathan, and Abiram's doorpost. You think they did it? They didn't believe Moses. But someone did that for them. That's on the blood of bulls and goats. Again, the prophet of our day, standing with the revelation of Jesus Christ, tells you to take the most precious blood that was ever spilled and you wrap them in it. He comes along when people say, well, I don't believe you. I don't like you. I don't want to be around you anymore. We're going to draw you out of our circle. He said, well, I do. I take that same blood. I draw you right back in. Right back in. See, that defeats Satan every day of the week. Every day of the week. Because remember, the joy of the Lord, it's my strength. Satan ain't got no strength. He's a con man. He's a liar. Your enemy that's talking to you right now is a lying bluff. A lying bluff. That's all he's got. He's a lying bluff. He's a good liar, but he's a bluff. He's not the lion. That's right. See, I love you this morning. You know me. I love you. I pray for you. I love you and I pray for you. I know there's things that as Christians each one of us have this morning that we're struggling with. Each one of us has things that, that has to die. Absolutely has to die. Do you disagree? Come on, somebody stand up and tell me you disagree. You're still here. You're still here. You're not raptured yet. You've got something. Each one, well, I'm only staying for my brother or my uncle. No, no, no. You've got something. The devil will tell you that, that no, you're okay. Let that thing lay. Nobody knows. We sang that verse earlier. No one knew about the tears that I cried. Nobody knew about the secret sin that I held. No one knew about that. You, you realize that if the days of Achan were here right now, if the days of Achan were here right now, it ain't even about a, a Babylonian garment. It's not even about a wedge of gold. It's about some little secret sin, which is unbelief that Satan is trying to hide in you. Some little thing that he's trying to hide in you, that he's trying to get traction on you and grip you to whether you can't take a body change. If those days were here, see, Achan was born as a Hebrew, as an Israelite. Blood. He had that covenant because of who he was, because of who his daddy was, who his grandpa was. God said, I'll honor this covenant with you, Abraham, to your children, to your children's children, children's children. He wasn't some sinner off the street. He was a Hebrew standing there as dedicated and consecrated the Lord who made a mistake and fell. There was found iniquity in his heart. And God had them kill him. We live today as if it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's, I can do what I want, think what I want, look at what I want, say what I want. Who do you think you are? You've been bought with a price or not? You've been bought with a price or not? I am not my own. I am a slave to him. I'm a love slave to him. Amen. Paul would say I'm a prisoner in Christ. I'm a prisoner of love. Yes. The devil will tell you, think what you want. Say what you want. I share this with you. I was listening to a sermon Brother Wayne preached just a couple weeks ago for the Ron Spencer. I never looked at it like this. He was talking about... They're with Moses and they're sitting there fighting the Amalekites. You all know the story that he was told to hold his hands up. 
Hold his hands up. And you said, you realize on a field of battle that is massive, you, like right now, even if there were no trees, you couldn't see the edge of Bentley if you're in the middle of a fight. You, you realize you can't see what's over there. You can't see what's over there, what's over there. So as far as the battle's going, as it's raging and all these things are coming at, you can't tell if you're winning or not. You understand? Everybody understands. But what they could do, they could look up around the hill and Moses was standing there with his arms raised in victory. No matter where they were, no matter how many Amalekites were on top of them, they could look up and they could see victory. They might not see how it's progressing on that side. They might not see how it's progressing on that side. But I see victory. And the prophet would say that, that, that his arms got tired. The Bible tells you his arms got tired. So two men were anointed to help hold his arms up. Two men were anointed. And he was talking about how that one brother, Brother Samuel Browning, had told me about this, that this one particular brother had brought a complaint about this other minister. He had a quote and brought a complaint about this other minister. And he said it was a, it was a directed quote. I understand what I'm saying. He said, I see what you're saying about the quote. He said, but where's your hands holding his arms up? Where are your hands holding his arms up? You come up as a critic. You come up as this. This is where you're wrong. That's not what the prophet taught. That's not what the Bible teaches. You bear one another's burdens. If you see a brother overtaking a fault, you which are spiritual, go to them and restore them. The spirit of Satan says you criticize, you talk about them, you run them down. You spend hours doing this and you bring poison into your heart. Poison into your heart. You must speak life and only life. I love that. Now, back to Moses. Having anointed someone to hold his hands up, in that message that he's quoting, he said, you know what the, God did to the Lord Jesus? Who won total victory? Amen. Listen to me now. He gained total victory over death, hell, and the grave. He nailed his hands in place. Amen. Nailed them in place so they wouldn't come down. Where any sinner can look to that cross and see victory. See, I learned something right then. I learned that as a man, you're going to struggle with lust. You all know this. You're human. You have passions. You understand whether it's with women, whether it's money, whether it's entertainment, whatever it might be, you struggle with that. See, Brother Brown always told that he kept a, a crucifix hanging in his mirror. And the Catholics would say, well, that belongs to the Catholic. He said, you don't own the cross. You don't own that cross. That was done for me. He said, I keep it hanging from my rearview mirror. That way, if I see an ungodly woman walk down the street, I won't look at her. I'll look at that cross. You see what I'm saying? You look at the finished, victorious work of all sin conquered, all flesh conquered, all desires conquered. See what he did? I still say we ain't got a clue of what really happened at Calvary. You ain't touched the surface of what really, to what God died. You can't wrap your mind around that, that God died, that God created a body, and God stepped into that body, and God gave his life for you. You can't grasp that. Otherwise, you'd be screaming all day long. You'd be screaming all day long. Why me? And then you'd hear him say, because I love you. I've always loved you. I'll never stop loving you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you all the days of your life. And the beauty of our God is he's never caught off guard. You realize you've heard that phrase in a fight. 
that if a man's a good, good fighter, they might catch you off guard. And he's throwing a certain amount of combinations of lefts and rights and maybe brings his knee up or all those things that might catch you off guard. And the Bible tells you to examine yourself. That way you don't fall into the vices of Satan. That way you see whether or not you be in the faith. That way you walk yourself through your life and make sure that everything's under the blood. Everything's repented for. Everything is clean and clear between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, but God is not caught off guard. I promise you this. When Adam made his mistake, when he took, and it, it, honestly, it wasn't a mistake of what Adam did. Eve is the one that disbelieved, but Adam stood there as a redeemer and said, I'll go with her. I'll go die with her. I know what you said. I heard you when you said it. I'll go die with her. And God stepped up and said, that's my attribute in him. That's my characteristic. That's what I want to see out of every other son and daughter of God, that you'll die for them. But he wasn't took off guard when he fell and Adam went out. He was not took off guard because the Bible says before the foundation of the world that lamb was slain for your sins. Before the foundation of the world, he died for you. He has always seen you as perfect in his sight. He always seen you completely restored in his sight. That's how he don't get discouraged. That's how he don't give up. If you look at someone, you're trying to help them, you might give up. You ain't doing no better. What's your problem? Get with it. You're not in marching condition. Why are you not in marching condition? He sees what was done before the foundation of the world and walks beside you patiently, faithfully, bringing you to a body change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. We get frustrated one time and give up. Someone says something to you, one time offends you. Comes across you the wrong way, one time you give up. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. I've had some things that I've been struggling with with the church. Different things that I know that each one of you are struggling with. And, and, and it's been very heavy burden on my heart. And, and, and I, I realize that I'm not the one obligated to bring you to a rapture. I'm not the one that goes home with you and is working on your heart as you drive. I'm not the one that's there in your room with you. I'm not the one that's there in your car with you everywhere you go that's working on your heart. I'm not the one that said, I will make sure she takes a rapture. I'm not that one. That's him. Glory to God. I will fail you all day long. I'll get tired. I'll give up. I might walk away, but he'll never leave you or forsake you. He is right here. Always. Don't turn him away. Don't turn him down. There's so much more of God you can have right now. So much more of God you can have right now. I don't care if you've been a believer all your life. You ain't scratched the surface. You have not fully tasted what a hidden life in Christ looks like. And I can tell you this with such confidence, with such a thus saith the Lord, because you're still here. Because you're still here. But again, he's faithful. A God who is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. I think... Me and Brother Andrew was talking last night, and there was, um, I think it's in the life story books, the supernatural books. Brother Brandon was trying to get to a meeting that Brother Bosworth was preaching, and he was there in the same town. And, and he didn't make it down there that night with service, but I think he was listening to the radio or something like that in the broadcast. And, and it says, I'm pretty sure it's in that book, 
that Brother Bosworth was preaching on the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Now, I've probably read that before in the Bible, that statement, that, but it never grabbed me like it meant then. The unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ that he's made you heir to, they made you partakers of, that he said, this is yours. This is yours. See, a possession, again, it belongs to you. A possession belongs to you. That shirt you're wearing, that belongs to you. That pen in your pocket, that belongs to you. That salvation, that mercy, that redemption, that saving grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, it belongs to you. Not because of anything you've done, but his divine mercy and favor said, I give this to you. And again, that ain't even the tip of the iceberg. Not even the tip of the iceberg, what God has, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And I said that earlier about what God has done in the man on the left, and the prophet, that seventh angel messenger right there on the left. What God has opened to your eyes this day. We, we could jump to Isaiah chapter 61, and Jesus read those first two or three verses, whatever it was, and he tells them this day this scripture is fulfilled. He could not go any further yet. That was under that first coming. Under the second coming, there's so much more. There's so much more. There's so much been opened up because the seventh seal revealed Christ. The seventh seal that had it here before the foundation of the world, it revealed Christ. No, maybe it didn't because you're not seeming very excited about that. Maybe it just revealed a message church. Maybe it just revealed the seventh angel messenger. No, it revealed Christ. Blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your ears. For it hears the deep things of God. The deep things of God. You know, in, in Brother Bram telling us about love <clears throat> and what love is, what divine agape love is. He said, imagine, we have no way to, to map how far it goes that way. No way. Galaxies after galaxies after galaxies after galaxies because he took them and he just flung them off the tip of his hand and he let them go. Galaxies after galaxies after galaxies. He said, imagine finding the furthest, furthest, furthest point away. And that's where divine agape love is further than the eye can see either way. Further either way you can even look. And he said, as it comes back to earth, it starts to narrow down and narrow down and narrow down till it gets to this planet. And it's just the tiniest little tip of a string. Amen. And that's all you know of him right now. Yes, sir. Woo! Yes. Wow. On. on that day when your flesh changes, he and his word will become what you never dreamed possible. Amen. Amen. Never Amen. dreamed possible. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what he's got for you that's been hidden before the foundation of the world. For me, for you. Free gift. Free. Blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your ears. Maybe you need a better revelation this morning. And you know who gives revelation? He does. He gives revelation. He, you fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. You give your whole life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will tell you things. He will tell you things that your mind would just black out over. That you couldn't fathom. Let him start breaking down a blade of grass to you. Let him start breaking down a, a speck of dust to you. You see your creator. And he says, I made this for your beauty, for your glory, for you to walk outside and look at the planet I created for you. What do you think? I love it. 
know, the prophet had told us that in this sinful condition that this earth, we have all this mark of sin and unbelief, that it's nowhere near what God created it to be. He said, but over there, over there where there's no more sea, where there's no more sin, when there's no more unbelief, when there's no more weights that does so easily beset you, when all those things are over, you walk out and you see the beauty of God. You see the glory of the Lord. The Bible says the glory of the Lord fills the earth. Fills the earth. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. In that adoption number two series in 1960, Brother Brown was talking about being over there. He said, you understand what eternal means? This blew me away. He said, do you understand what it means to be eternal? Meaning eternal means you never had a start. You'll never have an end. You have always been. Now listen to me very clearly. He said, God, who is eternal, has not one less minute today than when he started. Oh, my goodness. Not one less minute today than when he started. The earth, the galaxy, thinking, whatever you want to call it. He's not one minute less today. That's what it means to be eternal. That's what it means to be eternal. See, you don't want to be immortal. You want to be eternal. See, immortal, you would live here immortal, immortal, no end, a thousand years, five thousand years, whatever it might be. And if you, if you stayed in a young condition like this, you'd be miserable. You would not know what life is. You know, the prophet would tell you, it's interesting, the little things God would have him say. He said, if God come to me and gave me four choices and said that, that, would you like the opportunity to go to earth and live for me either from zero to 25, from 25 to 50, or 50 to 75, or 75 to 100, what would your choice be? He said, if you want to be some handsome stud, some, you know, all those things will women be after you, you would say you want to be 25. If you want to be a businessman, maybe 25 to 50. He said, if you want to live for God, you want to be 75 to 100. All of the flesh is died out. You know you got no strength. You got nothing in yourself. Your hair's turned. Your skin's this. All those things. All you have is to live for him. And now, now, now you know what life is. Now you know what life is. Solomon would tell you that everything is vanity. Everything is vanity. Even as a young man sitting here now, you would notice that the muscles are flexed. The hair is combed a certain way. They're taking time to look at the creature. Right now there's a party going down the street. They're celebrating the creature. The creature. They're celebrating cars. They're celebrating rock and roll music. All of those things that's going on. You don't believe me? Just walk that way a little bit. You just step out the door. You can hear it. They were playing a song earlier by the, I think it was the Beach Boys. And I didn't realize what it said. I've heard it for years. It says two girls for every man. Why would a woman want to be around that song? Any woman in her right mind want to be around that song. Celebrate the creature over the creator. Your skin, your flesh, your will, you have to die. For that only he lives. Only he lives. Now you're really alive. He said, we who were once dead in sin. He said, what? He said, I was once dead in sin, but I'm redeemed. I'm made alive. I'm quickened in his presence. And guess what? I'm adopted by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that means you got a work to do. That means you better suit that armor up. You better eat the book, John. 
You better eat that book every day. I, I had a brother tell me last night, you better glue your eyeballs to that book and you don't look away. You glue your eyeballs. You want to get defeated? Take your eyes off the book. You want to get beat up by the world and get hooked to the world? Oh, that's shiny. That's going to take my attention. Or look at my phone. I've got this game. I've been playing this game for hours, and I'm not talked to the Lord. I'm not thought about the Lord. I'm not died for the Lord. You're dying to the world. You must glue your eyeballs right there if you expect to live. If you expect to overcome, if you expect to overcome lust, if you ever expect to overcome greed, if you expect to overcome your conceited, selfish, jealous behavior, you must die. You must die. It's possible. It's possible. God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, bounce back one chapter. Ephesians chapter 1. I started in Ephesians chapter 2 to show you what you own, to show you what you possess, to show you what he gave to you. But I want you to, I want you to go right up there to verse 13. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. And again, we don't have a we don't have a Bible app that has italization in it. But in your King James Bible, it says, In whom you also trusted. And that word trusted is italicized. I'm going to pause right there in a minute and talk about faith versus unbelief. Life versus death. There's only, there's only two things. There's only two things. You either have faith in God or you have fear, which is unbelief. And the reason you have fear is because you don't know where you're standing. A kid going out in the darkness at night. They're scared of the dark. Why are they scared? They don't know what's out there. They don't know what could get them. They don't know what could happen. They don't know what might go on. But faith, which comes by hearing, hearing of the word, tells you where you're standing. It tells you who you are. Tells you who bought you, what he did for you, how much he loves you, about his grace that's so great towards you, and then how he sends his angels to encamp around you, and that's just so you know that he loves you. But the most important thing is he's there. I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. With you, even in you. So faith in a God who is real, who is alive. Who is very present. It takes away fear. It takes away the wondering. And the presuming. Will he really heal my body? You saw that quote I shared to watch that morning. Will he really heal my body? Was he really wounded for my transgressions? Was he really striped for me? The word tells you he was. The Word says He sent His Word and healed all of your diseases. That's what the Word says. But I'm looking at my doctor's report. I have the x-ray right here. I have the full 38-page dialysis or analysis or all the blood work and all the, all the anemia, all that other nonsense that this world is looking at my lying vanity and saying that's what's wrong with me. I'm not disputing that's probably what's wrong with me. What I'm telling you is there's something greater that says it's not true. Can you imagine if you could have a physical, a complete physical on the day of the rapture? Could you imagine right before your body's changed? 
Could you imagine going to get all your blood work done, checking your brain waves, the way your heart pumps, everything right before that body's changed? Would it matter to you if you had cancer in it? Would it matter to you if the heart is barely pumping? Would it matter to you if your brain is, is missing? Not at all. I got a body waiting. I got a body waiting. I don't care what this one looks like. My promise says I'm healed, I'm restored, and that belongs to me. And again, the simplicity of the prophet sent to us in our day says when you were in your perfect best, God took a picture of you. And I don't just mean in 18 or 20, because you got to understand that in 18 or 20, like I said, I had a lot of scars in my body at that point. I'm talking about a completely perfect version of you. No mark of sin, no mark of unbelief, no mark of shame, no mark of condemnation, no mark of this world whatsoever. Perfect perfection. In that series, Adoption, which is, I think if you look at Lifeline, is, this is the anniversary, these few weeks is the anniversary of that series. And if you look at the actual timeline, Brother Branham just, I don't know if it was a few months before that or whatever it was, had just been allowed to step past the curtain of time. If you, if you, watch, your, you watch your time, I can't remember exactly, was it April of 1960 or something like that? Uh, something like that. So I can't remember the exact date, so don't hold me to that. But you understand that he was translated. On that adoption series, he said, I don't want to say that to stumble you. He said, but it was not a vision. It was not a dream. You, you, you were believers. You believers. You know what I'm telling you. He said, I looked back across and saw my old body laying there with my hands, my gray hair, my bald head, my wrinkled skin. I looked back over laying beside my wife in the bed. He said, I look back and I see that body and I'm on this side. He said, and everything's brand new. There ain't no wrinkles. There ain't no mark of nothing. He said, everything's perfect and it's green as far as you can look. There's no mark of this world as far as you can look. He said, and here come brothers and sisters screaming, long hair, long guy. My precious brother, my precious brother, we would not have made it if you hadn't went. See, you won't take a rapture without this message. You wouldn't have took a rapture without that man on the left. Not to worship him, not to give him glory, but God used that vessel. I can prove to you in Revelation 19 and Revelation 22, John went to bow down to that man. And he says, see that thou do it not. See that I'm just of thy fellow servants, the prophets. I'm just a man like you. Don't bow down to me. But you understand that John would tell you, this man that walked beside me, he showed me what heaven looked like. He walked by and showed me the foundations and all the jewels and all the gems and the thickness of the walls and the transparent gold and this mighty beautiful pyramid. What a coincidence we had a prophet in our day preach a message called the future home of the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride and he give you the detailed specifications. It looks like this. It's this wide. It's this square. It's this tall. It's a pyramid. You realize your walk with God is a pyramid? Do you realize that? That your revelation of God is a pyramid? You start out, okay, I believe in God and the broadness as far as it can be, I believe in God. And, and God fills all time and space. We understand that I believe in God. The closer you get, it starts tightening a little bit closer. Okay, what's his name? What's his name? Not a title. Yes, he's a creator. Yes, he's Jehovah Jireh. Yes, he's Jehovah Rapha. Yes, he used to be called Elohim. 
You heard me right. Used to be called Elohim. That word Elohim means self-existing. He no longer is self-existing. He reproduced himself. I'm looking at parts of the body of God. Where now he's no longer alone. You get a little bit closer. You see his name. You see that all heaven and earth is under that authority of that name. And you get a little bit closer, you start seeing more characteristics, more attributes, more of all these things of his person. He starts to reveal himself clearer and clearer. And you don't have a revelation like Paul did in that day that said, we see him through a glass darkly. No, in your day, right now, you see him face to face. There is one way that leads to eternal life, and he is that door. There is one way, there's only one way that road leads to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've not been brought to a denomination. We've been brought to a man's idea. We've been brought to the living, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. What a mighty God. What a mighty God in whom you also trusted. You realize the simplicity but the magnitude of that statement. I trust him. In one of the, I think it was on Lifeline, one of the quotes of the day. Brother Ram was talking about the love of God. And he had told how that he said, you believe me because you love me and you know that I love you. And because you love me, and I say this to you as your pastor, I know that you love me and you know that I love you. You might be mad at me right now. You might be irritated me right now, but you know I love you. You know that. You know that. And because you love me, you can trust me. That's what it is for the Lord Jesus. It's not some, oh my goodness, one day I, I, I just read the right book or all these different things and bam, I just had a revelation. No, I fell in love with this person. Amen. I fell in love with this person. He wasn't just my mama's God or my daddy's God or anybody else. He was my God, Amen. my father. You understand that the attributes of God in that, in that trinity of God, I'm not talking about the devil's idea, I'm not the church world's idea, but there is a trinity of God and you have the manifestational attributes of what God did to get you. You heard me right. The manifestational attributes of what God did to get you, he come to you as a father. You might not have had a good father. You might not have had a father that was a godly man. But you have a heavenly father who loves you more than his own very life. That if he could have ceased being everywhere for you, he'd have done it. I just told you, our God fills all time and space. He exists in all points of time, exactly as present as he is right now. He would have ceased being for you. That's how much he loves you. And then, to get closer to you, he sends a vessel, the body of the Son, that he steps into, and he focused himself down into one body. You got glimpse of a, glimpses of it in Elohim. You got glimpses of it in Melchizedek. Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah had glimpses of it in the fourth man of the fire. Each one, each Old Testament manifestation, each representation, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, each one standing there, that rock hewed out of the mountain without hands, the stone that the builders rejected, all of those things tightened up a focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he comes, he gives a sacrifice, he redeems you, and now you can come to him. Where before that you could not come to him. But now you can come freely and boldly before the throne of grace. Now, that's the father, that's the son. But then he said, when I died, he said, God took that spirit out of me and he sent it back for you. 
He sent it back for you. I shared that quote on the WhatsApp this morning. He took his spirit and he gave it to you. He said, yes, I'll go away, but I'm going to send you another. That wasn't some other being. That wasn't a third person in Trinity. It was a self-same one all the time. Self-same one all the time. You're not in love with a title. You're not in love with a title. You're not in love with an office. Maybe this morning, oh, I just love Jehovah Shalom. He's my favorite of all the Jehovah's. Jehovah, oh man, Jehovah Rapha. No, you're not in love with a title. You're in love with a person. Those titles, those names were given for the healer. The banner, the lifter of your head, the peace, the rock, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon. You see him, but when you fell in love with the person, the Lord Jesus Christ, everything changed. Everything changed. So as God tightened that focus up in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he died for you in that body, not a first person, not a second person, not a third person, but the only person, the only person that now in whom you trusted, in whom you've trusted, all of that to tell you, you understand who God is. You have a pretty good working knowledge as much as you can in a revelation in this body of who God is. You can now come to him boldly. I'm not praying our Father. I'm not praying, oh, great Holy Ghost. I'm praying the Lord Jesus Christ. I bring my petition to you, not begging, not as a servant because I'm no longer a servant. I've been adopted and that now that my request is just as good as his request. Let me change that. The way I speak is just as good as the way he speaks. So when the full mature word has to return back into your heart, he said, let there be just like he did then. In whom you also trusted. So you think about that. You can trust someone like that. You can trust someone like that. You can lean back against him. And Lord, with all that I am, I have no fear. Because perfect love casts out all fear. I'm not wondering. I'm not presuming. I'm not assuming. I'm not guessing. I know what he said. I know exactly what he said. But your body feels different. It's lying. This is what he said. By his stripes I'm healed. In whom you also trusted. Trusted. After that you heard the word of truth. See, this is where most of the people, they miss the mark. And that's what sin means, is to miss the mark. That's what unbelief is, to miss the mark. You're aiming right toward that red dot on the middle of that window, and you go right toward it, and you swerve. Sound like the Bible? Those that have swerved aside from the way of truth, they move, they miss the mark, they've left the first love, they've walked away from what was right. Sin taken away, no more unbelief. Complete trust. I believe what he said. I was listening to a sermon this morning. Brother Ram was talking about Jonah in the belly of the whale. He said, Jonah can walk over and touch the belly of the whale. He's kneeling probably in plankton and any other ocean life there is. He's probably got seaweed in his hair. He probably smells fishy. But Solomon had made a prayer. Prayers are powerful. 
The prophet told us that a prayer in the hand of a believer is one of the most powerful things on this planet. Solomon prayed, Lord, if any of your people, if they get in trouble, if they will turn toward this temple that he had instructed, had constructed for his will and his way, if they can turn toward that temple, they'll be saved. Jonah said, I believe that prayer. I believe that's the truth. How he knew which way was what, nobody knows, but faith locked in. Faith, the prophet would say, zeroed in on that mark right there. And the next thing he knows, he's floated up on the shore and uses that tongue as a game plank. I'm here to talk to you about the God we serve. Satan, you're defeated. In whom you've trusted since you heard the word of truth. Now, the word of truth, the proof of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the proof of the new birth. We are not Pentecostal. We are not Pentecostal. Pentecostal is an age gone by. What we are is much higher than that. Pentecost denominated. Pentecost organized. They sold their birthright. They sold it. But what God did there was a move of God. What God did in Luther's day was a move of God. What God did in each one of those church ages was the move of God. God bringing it closer. God tightening it up. God getting down to the bride age. Revelation chapter 4 where you're in now. So the present truth, the present truth, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the new birth, which makes you a new creature because he lives inside, leads you and guides you into all truth. You will not be walking around with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe a Catholic doctrine. I believe a Presbyterian doctrine. I believe a Baptist doctrine. I believe a Pentecostal doctrine. No, it will lead you to him. It's not even about leading you to the message. The message is the revelation of this hour. I tell every demon in hell, this message is the revelation of this hour. I tell every demon in hell, this message is the revelation of this hour. I put my foot on that thing's neck. And I tell you that if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you won't see the message. Because it is Christ. Now, the prophet will tell you about all those other denominations, all those other organizations. He said, I'm not saying anything about those people in there. I'm saying the thing that has them bound. You, you imagine, it's the same concept of, of walking by El Dorado State Prison out here. And you walk by, man, what an ugly prison. That's just a terrible prison. It's the prison. It's not the people. The people were tricked into it. The people were conned into it. The people were got, the Satan made them make a mistake and fall into that. That's a similar type of what Satan did to you. He became a snare and a fowler and caught you. He caught you. He tricked you. He bluffed you. You realize that Satan can't make you any less of a son or daughter of God? Okay, let's just establish fighting rules right now. Satan cannot make you any less of a son or daughter of God. But what Satan can do is con you out of your victory. He can con you out of your salvation. He can con you out of your joy. He can con you out of your peace and say, no, 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 you did this. You made this mistake. You tripped up here. You have this thing you struggle with. And says, see, you're not a son of God. I'll say it again. He's a liar. Because he can't do nothing about it. He can't do nothing. He didn't make me a son of God. He didn't redeem me. He fought tooth and nail to keep that from happening. But it happened. Come on now. It happened. I trust him. The word of truth. See, you're not going to get very far trusting a Baptist doctrine. You're not going to get very far trusting a Methodist doctrine. This ain't a Methodist church no more. Thank God. I love what God did here for all those years. I thank God for the souls that were led to him all those years. But there's more. 
but there's more. I thank God what he did in the Baptist church, but there's more. I thank God what he did in the Pentecostal church, but there's more. I thank God what he did when he sent a prophet, but there's more. I thank God what he did before he opened the seals, but there's more. And then he opened the seals, and there's so much more. So much more. You can have as much as you want this morning. You can have as much as you want this morning. If you want to sit there and say, you know what, I got all I want, then Lord bless you. I pray he gives you peace. I pray he greets you your joy and helps you where you're at. I pray that God walks beside you and you get to know him. Is that still one that keeps us close in a brother? And I pray that God bless you. I got nothing bad to say about you. But I promise you there's more. I promise you there's more. See, since you heard the word of truth. I love that. I, I shared that with you, what Sister Lonnie said, that when bro- Brother Walt come from Brother Jess Trammell's over in Oklahoma, and he told them, she was sitting in Brother Jim Cranford's house, and they're sitting there. He said, I got something to tell you. He said, God sent a prophet. She said, I was a young girl, and my dad was sitting there too. And she, he told me later, she said, when he said those words, God sent a prophet. She said, something grabbed our hearts. I don't know what you're about to say next, but I believe it. Because that seed was there. The only reason you're going to believe it is because you're that seed. You might stand along again, see the loaves and the fishes. You might stand on and see the loaves and the fishes. Yeah, that was a prophet. Yes, he told that woman where she lived, what her address was, what color of clothes she was wearing the day before. Told her what a doctor said when she was on anesthesia. All those different things. And they said, yeah, we say that's God. We say that's God. But, but he's probably not really a prophet. That's a lie out of hell. That's a lie out of hell. Trying to steal your victory. Trying to steal your joy. Trying to come in and spy out your liberty. You realize that? Trying to spy out your liberty. See, we stand here tonight, this morning, as free men. Free men and women of God. Bought with a price. If you're sitting here with chains and shackles on your legs, they don't belong there. They don't belong there. Stand up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cast that thing off and say, Satan, you're under my feet. I've been bought with a price. You don't owe me. You don't own me. He bought me. And I'm twice his. See, I love that. I'm twice his. He created me for the foundation of the world. Then I was born the wrong way. You were born the wrong way because of our first birth. That second birth changed everything. And then he redeemed me because of that. And now I'm twice his. I'm twice his. Brother Bram told about being sold out into a pawn shop. That you were sold out to a pawn shop. You always belonged to the Lord Jesus. But you let sin get a hold of you and put you in a pawn shop. You let that lie of the world get a hold of you and put you in. You realize you walked in there willingly? Because the word says you were free. You listened to the lie of the devil and you walked in there willingly. And you're just sitting there waiting. And he comes and redeems you. And again, you're twice his. I love if you, if you do a search in your Bible app, the word re-reward. That you are his re-reward. It's, it's a beautiful study if you ever get the chance. He said, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed. We're, we're crossing some doctrinal uh, organizational lines right here now. After you believed. Not when you believed. After you believed. Satan, you're defeated. You lying dog, Satan, you're defeated. After you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The, the prophet would tell you that the Holy Ghost, the new birth, that baptism of fire is a seal of God. But it's also a down payment. It's the earnest inheritance. 
It's the earnest inheritance. When you receive the new birth, you became a citizen of that kingdom. John 1, is it John 1, 12? He said to them, he gave power to become the sons of God. To you became power to become the sons of God. See, you always were a seed of God, but you can be a seed of God and not quickened. If Ephesians 2, we just read, you can be a seed of God or a daughter, a son or daughter of God and not made alive. And you can still be a son of God. You can be a son or daughter of God and not yet adopted. But once you become adopted, you're dangerous. I love if you, if you just type that in the message table, Brother Brown making this statement, Satan, watch out. Satan, look out. She's being manifested. She believes. There's no more doubt in her heart. She believes who she is. She believes who he is. She believes her position and place in him. She knows what she must do. She has his word. She knows what he wants done with it. She has his potentials. She's capable. Satan, watch out. Satan, you're defeated. He said, after that, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption. Until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Okay, okay, let's let's stop right there. So he's telling that you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. First things first, you love him. It's a love story. You're so in love with him. You're probably sappy over it. I love him. I'm so sold out. I love him with all my heart. I see none other. He's my fair one. He's my, my beloved. He's, I, I'm in love with him so much as can be. And the way that you'll know, the way that you'll know that I love him is because I love you. Right. You read that. Amen. Paul said the reason why I know that is because you love him and you love them. Amen. John will tell you, how can you say you have the love of God whom you have not seen and hate your brother whom you have seen? He said, you're a liar. John, get right in your face. No, 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 no. You're a liar and the truth's not even in you. Would you rather, whomever he was meeting, would you think they would have rather said, you know what, don't don't be so pushy, John. Don't don't put your finger in my face like that. John, let me go on to hell. Let me go on to hell. It's okay. I'm happy. They can stay over there. I'm over here. I can go on to hell. Mind my business. Would you rather him love himself? He said, no, you're a liar and the truth of God's not in you. What do you think they'd rather said? I'll say it again. Hell was not made for man, but man can go to hell. You have to jump over every barrier to get into hell. You have to jump over every hurdle the prophet taught us to get into hell. But you can go to hell. You don't have to. There's been a way made. There's been a chasm bridged. It's through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's also the word of truth. A lot of people like to twist that, those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you just say that you believe on him, then you'll be saved. That you're hitting it on a face value and it's walking right by. You're just, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe, oh, yeah, yeah, I just call them, oh, yeah, yeah, I just call them, that's all I got to do. I've told you that I know people that are waiting for their deathbed experience, living any old way, thinking any old thing, doing anything they want, waiting for their death. Oh, on my deathbed experience, I'm going to confess the Lord Jesus Christ and I'll be saved. All right, let's go on to heaven. You think you're going to trick him? You think you're going to be like that and trick him? No chance. See you at the second resurrection. No chance. 
Pray to God, have mercy on you, that you give a cup of cold water to somebody. Pray to God, have mercy. You did something good to one of his. You pray God, have mercy. People want to play with God all the time. They want to do all these silly things with God. Oh, because they won't die. Oh, because they won't die. You're not alive until you're dead. You're not alive until you're dead. I don't mean dead in the world. I mean dead in your sins, living for him. Made alive in Christ Jesus. He said, in love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. This is one of the most powerful blessings you can ever say to anybody. And I know people that minimize and water down and make of such less value the new birth, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What are you still talking about that for? It's the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said it's the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that that you can tell those people the kingdom of heaven has come nigh thee. Do you realize how powerful that is? That when you, with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as you walk by your neighbors, not with arrogance, not conceited, not searching vainglory, the kingdom of heaven just walked by your house. Oh, it's just the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It don't mean nothing. It means everything. Let me go on. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You know that, that everything has a balance. All of creation have a balance. The word of God has a balance. You could take one scripture and twist it so hard one way and you'll miss the spirit behind it. Because the spirit on you is wrong. The prophet taught that. He said, I'd rather be wrong in my doctrine and right in my spirit than right in my doctrine and wrong in my spirit because the right spirit will lead you to the right doctrine. I think it's Paul that said that, that the letter killeth, but the spirit makes alive. The letter killeth, but the spirit makes alive. The prophet of our day would tell you that you cannot read the newspaper, the Bible like a newspaper, even just comparing verse to verse to verse. You can't do that. You've got to say, God, reveal this to me. And then parts of that book starts opening up to you in a way that you never imagined. Am I still even reading in the book of Lamentations? Am I still reading in Nahum? I can't. What in the world? Because you're talking to the author. He give you the spirit of revelation and wisdom that he opened your eyes. See, Satan perverts knowledge. But there's a godly knowledge. Satan perverts wisdom. You read in the Proverbs, Satan can pervert wisdom. The wisdom of this man, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. But the wisdom of God is unreal, unbelievable. That he may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now I shared that this morning from the blind Bartimaeus, 1954. Brother Ram talked about that man had been sitting there blind. And he, he said, let me give you a little drama. He said, I, I've heard this before. I don't know if it's true or not. But they give a little drama about blind Bartimaeus. That he was born blind. And he said that he would married. Then he had a young girl. And he said that he had these little turtle doves that would be a little trick. 
they would fly and they would tumble and different things. And that would be how people would come by and throw a coin into his little bucket. And they'd give him some money. And he had all these little turtle doves that was just, you know, just kind of flowing back and forth. And people, well, oh, that's amazing. That's nice. And it'd get their attention to bring him just to give him some money because he was a beggar. He couldn't work. He was a beggar. And it would catch their attention to bring that to him. One day his little girl got sick. And that night, as she was laying there, maybe to the point of death, he said, Lord, God, he said, if you'll save my daughter, I'll sacrifice those turtle doves unto you. That's how I make my living. I'll sac- sacrifice his job for his family. See, the world will tell you, you sacrifice your family for the job. That's profound. He said, I'll sacrifice these turtle doves to you if you'll save my daughter. He said, the next morning she was good. So the next morning, here he goes. We're going to sacrifice him down at the temple. Sacrificing these turtle doves because he's keeping his word, the honor that he made to God, making that, keeping that covenant that he made with God. Not long after that, they didn't have CNI dogs back then because they didn't, the dog was an unclean thing to them. So they had lambs that were taught to lead people everywhere they went with a little thing, and that's how they lead them everywhere around, like a CNI dog. He said, and his wife gets sick one day, and that night she's about to die, and he tells the Lord, All I got left is that lamb. That's all I got left. And you'll spare my wife. If you'll save her, I'll sacrifice that lamb to you. And the next morning she wakes up and she's all better, completely well. So the next day he's walking himself down the temple going to sacrifice. He said, in Caiaphasus, the high priest yells out the window at him. And he said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to sacrifice this lamb to my God for healing my wife. And Caleb says, no, 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 that's your only way of getting around. It's the only way you have of being led in this world. Let me give you the money, and you go buy another lamb, and you sacrifice that, and that'll be good enough for God. He said, I didn't promise God any lamb. I promised him this one. The high priest was trying to talk him out of it. He said, I promised him this one. So he takes it, and he sacrifices it. He goes back home. The prophet said the next night, he's laying in bed, and he has a dream. So when he gets up the next day, he gets to his begging post late. you got to get there early to catch the merchants on the way into work that day. And he gets up and he gets there late. He shows up late because he had a dream, the prophet said. And in that dream, he could see. And so that morning, he wakes up and his eyes are closed and he can't see. And he says, I don't understand. That was the most vividly real dream I've ever had. I've never seen my whole life. I've never seen my whole life. I was born blind, but I just had a dream that I could see. How could I even know to imagine such a thing? How could I know to imagine such a thing? He said, so he gets there, and he's, he's late that morning. And he sits there, and he's just a little kind of waking up, and he sits down on one of the rocks that fell off the wall of Jericho, and he's sitting there, and he hears a commotion come out of Rebecca's house. Coming out, and here's people. Here's like a crowd of people yelling, and some people are saying Hosanna. Some people are saying false, uh, false prophet, blasphemer, liar, and all these things. And he's like, what is going on? And one of Rebecca's servants come by and told him that that's Jesus, the son of, you know, son, you know the, 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 the Messiah, the, the Lamb of God, that he's a prophet. And he said, what'd you say? What'd you say? That that's a prophet walking by? He said, let me get to him. Let me get to him. And he said that, that as he stood up, he had a cloak on. It was cold out. He had a cloak on that helped him cover himself up when he was cold, sitting there. And he starts yelling out. He said the first thing he did, he stood up, took that cloak off, and threw it. He said for a blind man to throw anything is a big deal. 
Because he don't know where it went. You take everything off, you fold it up neatly, and you set it in some place so you can feel back around and find it. He took that cloak off and flung it as far as he could. I don't need it no more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. The prophet would tell you there is no way on this planet he could have hurt him with his natural ears. There's no way in that mob and people screaming, false blasphemer, liar, you make yourself God and all that nonsense they were yelling at him. But somewhere that faith grabbed him. Be it unto thee. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. The Holy Spirit's promise, the word for your day, is not cry, but it's to speak. Be it unto me. This is what he's here to back up. This is what he guarantees. This is the mercy that he has. This is marvelous in my sight. I don't know what you think about it this morning. Maybe you can sit there with your head turned and, and tone me out. But to me, this is marvelous. Marvelous, marvelous, marvelous in my sight. See, my eyes been opened. My eyes been opened. My ears been opened. My heart has been made soft again. My heart ain't hard no more. My heart ain't hard no more. the 
singing again. nothing that just makes us a number one on his hit list I'm okay with that but it can be hard it can be very difficult and hard but if you do like David and encourage yourself in the word of the Lord see Isaiah will tell you the weapon might be formed but it will not prosper That's right. see that is thus saith the Lord it don't matter what Satan throws your way it won't prosper because he said so Sing this verse to him. Oh, the weapon might be formed, but it won't prosper. Oh, when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Do you really believe this this morning? Because the God that I serve is all the hour. Oh, hallelujah! He only knows! Ah! 
surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. profession of faith that's what a song is it is repetitive but it's meant to be a profession of faith you have now claimed the victory that our great mighty captain of salvation has freely given you will you take it this morning will you claim it as your own possession will you claim that victory that he wrought in his own body for you we struggle against our flesh we struggle against these things of this world but he overcome every single thing Every single thing. There's not one thing that you and I have ever went through that he didn't go through it for us. Not one thing. Maybe you have a problem this morning being critical. Maybe you have a problem this morning being very judgy. Maybe you have a problem of letting things go. Maybe a root of bitterness. 
Maybe you struggle with lust. Maybe you struggle with cheating. Maybe you struggle with lying. Maybe you struggle being lazy. Maybe you struggle with any of those things. He overcome them for you. And it is simply that, that just walk out of that jail cell. You are free. He has made you free. But again, as our prophet would make that, tell us that story about Abraham Lincoln and the man that would not accept that pardon. He wouldn't accept it. This morning, you have that same choice. Will you accept that pardon? Will you accept everything the Lord Jesus Christ has laid up in for for you? I told you earlier, they're unsearchable riches. You ain't scratched the iceberg yet. There's so much more of God. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, what a mighty God you are. Oh, fairer than all the lilies, all the ten thousands, brighter than the morning star. Lord, you are God. We love you, Lord Jesus, this morning. Oh, we want to say right now, we want to say thank you for letting us fall in love with you. Lord, and not just some version of you. Not just some assumption or misconception or false idea of you, but you. Lord, we love you so much this morning. There's so many promises, so many supply that you have set in store for your people. And your Bible, the word, your scriptures teaches that we have not because we ask not. Lord, you conquered everything. You conquered death, hell, and the grave. You conquered everything we struggle with, every sin that might try to beset us. You conquered all those things. And they lay there this morning defeated, beaten, broken, cast down, torn down, and forsaken because of what you did. And Lord, this morning, I say as an admission of faith, as an admission of, of taking that, that what the will says that we receive and we claim our rightful possession because of what you've done. We claim it for our brothers and our sisters. We claim it for our husbands and our wives. We claim it for our children. We claim it for our loved ones. We claim it, Lord, everywhere you'll point us. We claim this, Lord. We lay claim to it, Lord Jesus. We've heard the reading of the will. We accept. Be it unto us as you have said, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, for each one of us. There's so many things we've been going through, so many different struggles. The Bible talks about divers, different troubles and trials and struggles and things. And the word various fits. So many varying different ways Satan's come at us and attacked us. He's trying to destroy our minds, he's trying to destroy our health. He's trying to destroy our love for one another. He's trying to destroy everything he can scratch at. But thankfully, Lord Jesus, you defeated him. You made an open show of him plainly. And again, we want to say thank you for that, Lord. This ain't anything we could do on our own. One second, one split second out behind your grace, about your, behind your mercy and your, your defense and your protection, demons would tear us apart in a minute. But Lord, we're not alone. We don't have to be alone. You promised you'd never leave us nor forsake us. You said because you live, we live also. We draw our strength from you this morning. 
We're not standing in our own flesh. We're not standing on anything that we've done or any merits we think we can come up with, any kind of selfish I thing that we could say. We're standing on the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the elected, predestinated foreknowledge of who you say we are. And we trust you this morning, Lord. We trust you this morning. And if there's anything in any one of our brothers and sisters' hearts this morning that does not trust you, I pray, Lord God, you and your mercy and divine favor would burn it out and replace that unbelief with a powerhouse-packed, perfect faith. Have your way in your people, Lord. We are, 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 are reporting for duty. Have your preeminence in your body. We love you and adore you. Be with our brothers and sisters as they go their separate ways. They're going back out into their fight, back out into their struggle, back out in their test, their trial. I pray, Lord, that what you've done here this morning, Lord, you've helped us get into a little bit better marching condition as the army of the Lord. Lord, help us to grab that sword, pull that armor up tight, and get to work. We're not to be hiding. We're not to be scared. We're not to be us four no more. But you're called us to be a mighty army that this world has no idea what to do with. Utter your voice, Lord Jesus, before your army. We trust you. We surrender to you. And pray that you'll have your way. In your lovely and precious holy name. Amen. Wednesday night, we'll have a prayer meeting before our meetings. Prayer service, same time. Come expecting. We'll have here in just a few minutes, we'll have a baptism right over here behind the fellowship hall. It's been on Lily's heart to be baptized. And I, I shared that with you just a few months ago that one of the nights, I don't know if it was in one of the meetings, it was in one of the meetings when Brother Joe was here that, that we had prayed for several different and I had walked over there and I felt something crying I couldn't hear anything but I could feel it crying and I looked and I only saw my two daughters sitting there and I thought it can't be them and I just closed service and we went on home and that night Lily told me she's crying I want more of him I want more of him Amen. and that's been her desire ever since and she wants more she just turned nine on Thursday you're not too young you're not too young. Give your heart to him. You're not too old. Give your heart to him. Serve the Lord with all that's within you. Serve the Lord with all that's within you. So we'll have that baptism just a little bit. Please, please, please be in prayer for the meeting starting Friday night. Satan's been fighting. And it's going to get hotter. You can expect that. Before you maybe even get out the door today, you can expect him to attack you even harder. Satan's defeated. I just can't tell you that enough. Satan's defeated. You've been made more than a conqueror. You've been made victorious in Christ Jesus. God bless you. You are dismissed. In the